say while travel outside the province is not recommended at this time. This is your chance to get to know your province even better. So please embrace 2020 as the year of the Alberta staycation. You're listening to The Progress Report on the Harbinger Media Network. We're one of just many excellent left-wing podcasts on Harbinger. And two I will quickly recommend for you are 49th Parahel, hosted by lefty content king Rob Rousseau, and The Alberta Advantage out of Calgary. Uh, 49th Parahel just had Dan Beckner on to talk about the ghouls of the McDonald laurie Institute trying to drag us into a second Cold War. And The Alberta Advantage uh, had two podcasts that I just listened to right in a row uh, while doing chores over the weekend here that were very good. Uh, one was on the corporate grift that is the Canadian Emergency Wage Subsidy, and the other on Operation Solidarity in BC. Uh, really good stuff. I cannot recommend it enough. And at Harbinger, we are building something that's challenging right-wing corporate media dominance from coast to coast. So get access to exclusive shows and other supporter-only content at harbingermedianetwork.com. Now, on to the show. Friends and enemies, welcome to the Progress Report. I am your host, Duncan Kinney, recording today here in Amiskwichiwa Skygan, otherwise known as Edmonton, Alberta, here in Treaty 6 territory. And I'd like to wish a hearty aloha to our guest for this episode, uh, NDP MLA for Lethbridge West, Shannon Phillips. Shannon, aloha. From the bottom of my heart, aloha. Well, uh, uh, aloha to you too, or as we say down here in Blackfoot territory, Oki, uh, which is uh, the Blackfoot greeting and uh, uh, the place where I have stayed uh, for the duration of uh, this pandemic and certainly through the holidays right here at home. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. That me too. <laughs> wasn't really a question really until some things happened. Uh, did you spend the days like me uh, kind of between New Year's and today looking at your phone, getting hourly updates about which... UCP cabinet ministers or senior staffers were out, you know, holidaying in a summer, lo- in a, in a nice warm location, or were you a normal person and like enjoying your family and drinking hot cocoa, going tobogganing, that kind of thing? Well, you know, Duncan, as a practicing politician, I don't think you would uh, ever really categorize me as normal. There's no question I spent way too much time on my phone and I worked a lot over the weekend. Uh, And uh, when I went in and looked at the uh, email inbox last night, uh, or actually it was yesterday morning, uh, I spent some time in it last night and uh, I got up at six o'clock in the morning and started sending uh, emails to people. People are steamed. Uh, And uh, so there's no question that uh, people were engaged and so therefore I was engaged because uh, that's my job. Um, still, you know, between Christmas and New Year, I did try to uh, do a little bit of, of normal people things, you know, uh, uh, some baking with the kids. And we got out, uh, did some cross-country skiing in uh, in Castle. Uh, so that was good too. Uh, trying to, keep, you know, keep it super local and outside as much as possible because otherwise, you know, I have two boys and they'll uh, kill each other or burn down the house or something. So, yeah. Yeah, you got to get outside. But before we get to the gross details of this scandal, which I do have before me and which I do want to lay out in detail, before we get to those, what, uh, like, give me a bit of a smattering from your inbox this morning. What are your constituents kind of saying to you about this? Well, you know, I have to say, Duncan, that the worst ones are people who write and say, look, my father died this year and we didn't get to have a funeral or my uh, uh, elderly mother has been in long-term care and I have seen her decline uh, because she's been so lonely and isolated. You know, it's that type of stuff that I, I, I can barely contain both my sadness and my rage 
when I read that. You know, like we've all uh, I, we've all had tough uh, moments during the pandemic. I think that's that's a universal experience. That there are some days that have just sucked for pretty much everyone. Uh, I don't know anyone who's been like, yeah, this is great. But there are some human experiences that, uh, as soon as you know, you start engaging with folks that just come tumbling out, and it is heartbreaking. And when they see these people gallivanting off all over, you know, what my mother would call hell's half acre. Uh, it, it is just, they cannot wrap their heads around it. And quite frankly, you know, neither could I, uh, uh, Duncan. I, my, my first reaction was, you can go somewhere. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> it, did, it, it didn't occur to me that that was the thing that people were doing uh, at all. And, and um, uh, no, you know, no less people in public service who, uh, obviously have, uh, in the case of, people of Minister who, Allard, who started have really the expensive, lockdown, right? Well, but also people have really, really important jobs. And, uh, you know, and uh, going on these expensive vacations that in, in any time when you're in public service would, you know, like... Uh, now being revealed that she was going to be gone for almost a month, right? Like on some super fancy Hawaiian holiday. That that's that's a bit rich, and uh, it kind of shows, I think, the extent to which you know these folks really have a sense of what of entitlement that that uh, ordinary people certainly don't have outside of a pandemic, uh, but really more so now. You know, my my colleague Jim uh, made this point on Twitter, right? Which is like when you own three separate Tim Hortons franchises and you've been on a Hawaiian holiday for the past 16 years straight, that, that, that you are a, a different person and that like the rules as they apply to normal people do not apply to you. And then this is clearly what happens, right? Well, I, I, I guess, uh, but I think during the pandemic that even people that I know who are of some means uh, would and did, uh, I, you know, and know people of all kinds of backgrounds, and uh, they didn't go anywhere, even if they do, you know, go on fancy holidays that other people don't go on, right? Uh, because it's just not happening this year because life's different this year and ordinary people with a moral compass and uh, with a bit of character understand that uh, and you know I just what is interesting to me is the extent to which people's uh, uh, feeling of, of uh, great isolation and loneliness uh, came out so quickly you know, when people write to their MLAs and they, they share these deeply personal details and you can tell that it's wrapped in so much anger and frustration and loneliness, you know, uh, uh, it's a bad day to be a UCP MLA, obviously, from a, a public opinion and issues management perspective. But uh, uh, if I was one of those people, uh, one of those MLAs, I'd feel like a, uh, pretty bad about myself on how you made other people feel. Uh, because I went in, especially this morning, uh, early morning, you know, one of the benefits of not having to commute is you just start work right away <laughs> at an ungodly hour. And, uh, uh, you know, it actually really struck me emotionally, the extent to which people felt personally insulted and hurt and the extent to which that came out. Uh, it really shows just how awful the UCP is because, you know, this should have been recognized that this was going to happen on Friday when Mr. Kenny uh, waltzed out and said, nothing to see here. We're encouraging travel. He literally said that. Um, 
you know, the fact that that was his first <laughs> response. He that. literally said it. You almost uh, forget that, I, yeah, this was on Friday. This was three days ago. And Jason Kenney was saying, oh, yeah, travel is good, actually. You know, and uh, and then when you read these emotional responses from people, uh uh, it, it shows you to the extent to which we have actual failings of character running the place in that legislature. And let's get to the details uh, here. You know, today there was an announcement of resignations of a sort. Uh, so so let's, let's bring these up. Let's get them on the record. So we're recording this at 4.17 p.m., Monday morning, January 4th. So, I mean, things could, could still change between the time this gets edited and posted and the time you're listening to this. But this is what we know right now. So Tracy Allard, MLA for Grand Prairie and Minister of Municipal Affairs, she went to Hawaii. She has stepped down as a minister, but she is still in caucus and she is still an MLA, right? Uh, Sonia Savage, MLA for Calgary Northwest and Minister of Energy. She went to BC for a few days to check up on a property she owns. No consequences for her. Uh, Jeremy Nixon, MLA for Calgary Klein and Parliamentary Secretary to the Minister of Community and Social Services. He also went to Hawaii and he uh, has now stepped down from his largely meaningless parliamentary secretary role and he will no longer be appearing on committees. Uh, Tanya Fur, the MLA for Calgary Pagan, went to Vegas to see her sister. Uh, no more committees for her. Th those are the consequences. Uh, Jason Stepan, a backbench MLA for Red Deer South, visited sunny Arizona. Again, no more committees for him. Pat Rain, uh, a guy who, when Jim told me about this guy, I had to be reminded of who he was. Uh, this uh, backbench MLA for Lesser Slave Lake. Uh, he went to his favorite cave in Mexico. Uh, and again, the consequences that he faced were a stern talking to and no more committees. Uh, Jamie Huckabee, Jason Kenney's chief of staff, went to the UK, where uh, we should be reminded that there is a variant of COVID-19. Uh, that is currently rampaging through that country. He, uh, he dodged the rules around traveling to and from between Canada and the UK by routing through the US. He has resigned, or his resignation was accepted or forced. It's never really clear, but he's fired. He's gone. Uh, Matt Wolf, the famous issues manager, he visited his parents in Saskatchewan, violating interprovincial travel rules. Again, no consequences for him. And the, the people who kicked all of this off Michael Forian, the press secretary for education, and Alicia Eliza Snyder, the press secretary for advanced education, both of these folks went to Hawaii. They kicked this all off with a lovely Instagram post. Uh, no word on any consequences for them at this point, but I imagine their careers in politics are probably coming to an end. Shannon, do you think um, this announcement and these consequences are sufficient? Uh, well... I think that uh, the MLAs, the electeds who left uh, uh, the country, should face consequences of being removed from caucus. Uh, I don't uh, see any alternate universe in which, if anyone had done that uh, uh, in our caucus, that that wouldn't have been the case. Um, you know, uh, uh, that that there wouldn't be an actual consequence, and that actual consequence is not sitting in caucus anymore, uh, not being part of the team. Now, um, as for uh, Minister Allard, I think that uh, uh, she should have been removed in the first instance from her job as Municipal Affairs Minister, uh, but uh, she should never have been allowed to leave the country in the first place. Uh, particularly not that we've we've just learned that her uh, uh, her memo that went uh, into uh, the premier's office assigning her acting minister asked for December 19th to January 10th 
to have uh, her duties covered off uh, by Rick McIver as acting minister. That's an insane amount of time uh, for a minister to uh, uh, to request an acting. I, I've never seen anything like that. I would never have the chutzpah uh, to uh, to have done that. That's that's just a, a, a mind boggling amount of time to be like, yeah, not feeling it, you know, <laughs> in terms of the job, yeah. especially yeah, the details now, of, of my like, heavens. The details of how a minister kind of leaves the country is definitely something I, I want to ask, considering your, your past history as a minister. But but so what Allard gets a demotion from cabinet to caucus. So she gets a, what a $60,000 less a year, but At for least, every, yeah. but, but for every other backbencher who had their like committees who are now no longer working on committees, that's like, that's actually a, a less work for the same amount yes. of pay. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> there's no, there's uh, no that's consequence the there. No, uh, Alberta MLAs with the exception of uh, uh, a couple don't get paid to be on committees anymore. Uh, and uh, so, in fact, you know, this is nice uh, for those those uh, MLAs and it's worse for their colleagues who have to do more committee assignments. So, you know, uh, at not uh, the ones who did follow the rules get an extra kick in the teeth and that they have to attend more committees. Uh, so I imagine they're really impressed. They were probably really impressed with their colleagues to start with uh, and uh, now doubly so. So, you know, it's not a consequence at all. And that's why they should be given the boot from caucus. Um, you know, the problem for Mr. Kenny is, of course, the emergent uh, uh, far right uh, uh, within his caucus and within the province. Uh, and uh, uh, so, you know, it's it's not at all for sure that at least some of those folks wouldn't wander off into a different political vehicle if they were booted from caucus. And that's why he knows he can't boot them. Um, and uh, uh, but he's going to have like he's he's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't right because uh, uh, if he if there are no consequences and there aren't and in fact he's just made life harder uh, for uh, the other caucus colleagues who did stay home or at least we think they stayed home he's they've never actually copped to the entire list it's been up to the media to to figure it out. Um, um, I, I think he's still going to have uh, internal caucus turmoil, right, over this, because uh, uh, the ones who stayed home and, and you know, acted like ordinary people and uh, didn't go gallivanting off all over the place, uh, uh, those ones are feeling the heat, too, in a big way, right, uh, from from their membership. It'll, it'll show up in fundraising dollars, all the rest of it. Uh, and I'm sure they're not impressed. And I'm sure that some of those were already ones who were, uh, you know, like already had one eye on uh, uh, the Wexiteers and the uh, and the far righties and feeling like, you know, Kenny wasn't going far enough for their liking. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know how I said this list was subject to t change, uh, you know, as of recording. Uh, literally while we're recording, I have gotten a, a story messaged to me from the fine folks, uh, published by the fine folks at Press Progress. Headline, the head of Jason Kenny's public inquiry into anti-Alberta activities worked remotely from Palm Springs. Subhead. <laughs> Commissioner Steve Allen worked remotely on the public inquiry during a, quote, personal trip to Palm Springs. Spokesperson confirms. Uh... Oh, heavens. Okay. Well, you know, this is the thing. Like, the hits just keep on coming for these guys, right? Uh, 
I, I mean, I, I, uh, I mean, the Steve Allen thing is is ridiculous. Uh, uh, but I mean, that whole he is ridiculous. Uh, at least his his current position and the fact that he agreed to take it. I think he's uh, sullied his own reputation and uh, uh, that of uh, Alberta and Albertans with the terrible job he's done and uh, and the terrible way he's handled that whole uh, 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 silly exercise. However, um, I, I, you know, I, I think in terms of accountability. We need to focus more on the electeds, right? No, I know, I know. It's just, it's just yeah. funny to get it's this just, while well, I'm recording. <laughs> quite how frankly, many, how many others? How many others is the question? Yeah, right? There's going to be more, right? Because, like, clearly, this is a whole sort of segment of society that I didn't really even know existed in terms of their just rank stupidity. Uh, you know, there's a Venn diagram of having too much money and not enough brains, uh, and uh, there's a whole bunch of like UCP and UCP adjacent people in that Venn diagram, apparently. Uh, but it's, uh, uh, I, there's just no other way to put it, right? It's just rank cluelessness on these folks' part. Um, you know, I'm, I'm less, I'm less concerned about uh, uh, Savage or, or the other staffer guy. Went to like, it, I, I'm not super clear on the interprovincial travel. I know there isn't uh, a travel ban to to BC, so I'm not as, I'm not as fussed about that as I am about the international travel, especially uh, uh, when it, there is, you know, it's, it's just rank obvious on every particular or every uh, you know uh, uh, web posting every you know those of us who who watched Dina Hinch on TV and on YouTube we got the message that, that we weren't to travel uh, and we were to stay close to home and a group of people who get literally in-person briefings from her didn't get the message right um that's that's what i uh, i think we should focus on and yeah i do think that the right sanction here is to toss these clowns from caucus so people are angry and not just you know like social democrats or lefties centrists liberals whatever you want to call them but i think conservatives are pissed too and and i think this is why kenny backtracks so forcefully oh yeah and why uh and why this is going to, I think, haunt them for months and perhaps years to come is that their base is pissed. And my question is to you is, is, is how do you think this compares to, you know, the Sky Palace and those kind of multiple Redford era scandals that happened? Well, it's uh, th those were a tempest in a teapot compared to this, right? Uh, uh, uh... This is a violation of, of uh, you know, not public health orders in the legal sense, but uh, uh, certainly um, all public health directives, uh, not to mention just good morals and common sense. Right. It was it wasn't illegal what they did, obviously, or they wouldn't have been able to get on airplanes. Uh, but, you know, it's it, we are supposed to govern ourselves according to personal responsibility, according to somebody I heard anyway, um, it, you know, and, and uh, keep our travel to essential travel and, uh, you know, spending like three and a half weeks in Hawaii, I don't think is uh, can can qualify as as essential travel because it's a family tradition. Um the right is is not amused. I, I I you know got a few emails this morning that were people who <laughs> you know were writing things like, "Dear Jason Kenny, please don't make me vote NDP. I don't like them, <laughs> but I am not happy with you." And and uh, one really struck me it was really interesting, you know, because he was he, he was enumerating 
all the things that made him mad. And this was sort of the, the straw that broke the camel's back, right? And uh, uh, But in there, it was war with doctors. It was laying, laying off healthcare workers uh, and, uh, uh, you know, mismanagement of pandemic. And, and now this, right? This is the straw. But but notably, you know, for people, even people who, who uh, uh, support the UCP, notably those first two things had to do with, uh, uh, the, you know, the pub- public services and the healthcare system and the overall uh, approach to, you know, fiscal policy and how we negotiate with with healthcare workers. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think the hate flowing through the veins of conservatives right now is is real, and I think it is equal or even greater than what we saw during, you know, the Sky Palace and the the South African flight scandal era. But I think that the difference in these scandals is that there is very little chance of consequences for Kenny. There's there's nothing going on under the hood in caucus. There is no one there to hold him accountable. Michaela Glasgow was like literally the bravest MLA on this file. And her criticism was she called it a major lack of judgment when she was asked about this by the Yeah, local I station. think Matt Jones from Calgary Southeast did a did, did sort of use similar language. Uh, and, um, you know, his uh, his interventions in the matter weren't uh, outright campaigning for cabinet, which it appeared that Glasgow was doing uh, and using it as an opportunity. Um, you know, I think uh, it's it's not exactly true that there's nothing happening under the hood in caucus. I think it's very clear from Mr. Kenny's actions. You don't need to be a you know a political galaxy brain to see that uh, he is is pandering to the far right within caucus, within pandemic management, and within a few other files like budget and so on. Uh, dealing with uh, uh, you know public sector. Uh, compensation negotiations those kinds of things um and the the like you can see that he is doing that uh because he's afraid of the right you know uh, uh, not because he's particularly afraid of of uh, dumping votes off the uh, off the truck, you know, in in Calgary that are sort of in that more center uh, kind of you know uh, uh, area, but because he's afraid of that you know eight to ten points that that splinters itself off. Uh, on the right. And he's afraid of those folks, uh, you know, who might already be sort of eyeing uh, a a different way to actually start making moves. So this does complicate those matters because that has been a dynamic all along. Right. Um, I, I think the other piece that is compli- that does make it complicated is the effect on things like just fundraising. Right. We've already seen them take that money from Ottawa. Uh, and uh, clearly they were already, uh, uh, you know, having problems with respect to fundraising. Maybe it's because they have so many uh, uh, bills to pay without all that RCMP stuff. I don't know. But, uh, uh, you know, they availed themselves of our federal uh, uh, public money uh, to, to finance their partisan operations. The NDP never did. Uh, and uh, uh, I think that obviously this is going to further affect uh, uh, fundraising, and that is real, right? Um, The other piece that it it may affect is their uh, stomach for some of their right-wing fever dreams that were, you know, allegedly going to be moving on to the ballot this fall uh, for the municipal campaign, right? They wanted to put a bunch of, like, 
you know, silliness on the municipal ballot, like a, a provincial police force or, you know, messing around with our CPP. Uh, we'll see the extent to which now he's got steel in his guts for those kinds of fights because they're not popular, right? I mean, especially CPP, uh, people hate that idea. Uh, and it hasn't even, you know, gone into contact with the opponent yet in terms of, uh, of a campaign. So uh, we'll see if he can actually do what he was wanting to set out to do, which is, you know, juice turnout with a bunch of grievance vote in October uh, and uh, open up the barn doors of, of PAC spending in and around uh, um, um, municipal campaigns with all of these ridiculous referenda on the ballot. Yes, I do just want to come back to the point about about consequences and the differences between now and and what happened in Redford's time. Kenny is not resigning, right? And and this government yeah. and this political party are both created uh, in Jason Kenny's image. And the people that are there, they're almost all of them by his good graces. And I mean, you're, you see these people more than I do. Like you're, I'm talking about the UCP MLAs and the who's who, but I mean, I, I talk to people too and, and mostly disillusioned. I mean, obviously the inner circle of the UCP aren't talking to me. The folks I talk to are, you know, disillusioned conservatives and they're like, Oh yeah. Like, L'état c'est moi, you know. It's like it's 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 the Harper regime all over again, but without kind of like Harper's like Mycroft Holmes mind at the center of it all. And and conservatives will eat their own. And when the when the trust is broken between leadership and the rank and file, conservatives give a shit about that. But again, there's no one at at the party or the government level who will hold Kenny accountable. So there is, I think, just a difference between these these two kind of scandals here. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, okay. Well, I mean, the first difference is that then they had two political parties. Uh, Alison Redford was not a man. Um, and there was, a, 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 you know, a far right um, um, alternative uh, that was sp splintering the party on the inside in terms of uh, everything, organizing, fundraising, candidates, uh, uh, all of it, right? Um and, uh, uh, you know, Kenny's entire thing has been, you know, let's we need to unite or, and we need to beat the, the NDP. And so that's what he'll continue to say. Right. You need to stay here. Otherwise, the NDP wins. That's all he's got anymore. Right. Uh, uh, certainly all this these ideas of him being like this, you know, really smart guy who's really good at politics. Like none of that was true, actually. Uh, I, you know, he is uh, he's had to sort of refashion himself, I think, in order to pander to the right as some sort of, you know, populist. But he is a terrible populist. Uh, he's really bad at that particular kind of of politics. And in that, I mean, you know, just doing things that are popular, <laughs> um, you know, because because at its root. You know, you're, you're talking to people in a language they can understand, and he has just completely lost the plot on that. Um, so, you know, he, he does have a different political calculation. I mean, all uh, everything's different in, in politics, you know, at, at every different juncture. When you're fighting the last war, then you're you're probably losing. Uh, Mr. Kenny, I've watched him now for for, you know, 18 months, a couple of years. Uh, and and he certainly loves to to lean back on the last war. And he thinks that, you know, that's what will be successful. Uh, so he is going to continue to do what he has always done. He will never admit he's wrong. He will not change course, uh, and that in fact, and, and he he conducts himself with a an astonishing level of hubris. Uh, that we saw that on Friday, 
Um, the voters put that in check over the weekend and good on them, right? Of all uh, uh, stripes, it's the first time that I have seen his hubris uh, checked by the voters. So we'll see uh, uh, if it if it happens again. Um, uh, but he, I've never seen him chastened ever. And and you, you you were he should have done it on Friday and stood up there like and and you know put some steel in his spine and stood up and said, you know, I've got a failure of leadership here and I'm going to fix it. I think Albertans would have forgiven that, uh, but not this. Um, yeah, uh, but if we learn anything after the last couple of years, it's that, you know, he wasn't some galaxy brain uh, a political mastermind at all. He was, he's he's yeah. not good at this. I think, I think the, yeah, Jason Kenney is this political puppet master playing six-dimensional chess. Uh, no, that's wrong. Uh, and honestly, the guy puts in an eight to 10 hour workday, which puts him ahead of the vast majority of his lazy ass colleagues. But I mean, I think, yeah, there's enough evidence to show that, you know, this scandal and everything else that, that is sticking to his regime is entirely of his own creation, right? Because the political party is him, because the government is him, and because he wants to get these very specific things done in this specific order, uh, you know, we've seen what we've seen. He's the most unpopular premier in Canada. He's burned through 20 some points of popularity in 18 months and a whole bunch of political capital. And he hasn't even made the cuts yet. He's only announced them like those people haven't even gotten their pink slips. You know, he's announced to everyone that he's about to piss on them, but he hasn't even actually sidled up and done it yet. And so what's going to actually happen? Uh, you know, I think I think this really puts spine in the steel of of workers who are about to, you know, see uh, who are about to be subject to these plans for, you know, massive large scale layoffs and privatization of healthcare as just the first one. And um, uh, I, I, th I think this is a, a huge blow to his political agenda, right? Well, he's lost uh, the ability to say to Albertans, were like, you know, on any level for any political uh, uh, proposition that he might make to them, you know, that uh, we are in this together. We uh, uh, and uh, uh, you know, we're all going to pull through and and uh, uh, weave together some kind of uh, uh, political identity for himself that puts him in and among the people, right? I mean, Klein was able to do that. Right until he sort of lost the plot at the end, uh, but uh, you know, like obviously people like you and I, Duncan. I mean, I'm older than you, so like uh, we we disagreed with that agenda, but we we couldn't disagree with the fact that Albertans were behind him by and large. I mean, at least the majority of them, right? Uh, and uh, uh, what what Kenny's lost the ability to do, whether that's on pandemic response and and uh, uh, you know stay home or follow the the public health orders or any of that kind of collective effort or any other collective effort that he is asking of the electorate, he has lost the ability to make that straight case that arguably even. Uh, I, I would say up, up until probably about summer, he was still able to make that case. Uh, I, I do think that uh, uh, many of the, of the cuts have already been noticed and felt. They have already begun. Uh, and uh, that demonstrates to us the extent to which those systems were already under stress after a year of, of uh, essential zeros, that is to say, losing ground to uh, inflation and population in education and healthcare. Uh, we are already seeing 
really, really severe strain there. Uh, and you're right, it is before the cuts, but there have been uh, cuts, is, is I think what I'm trying to say. And and uh, because he's sort of dribbled this out, that too has uh, uh, affected his, his political fortunes. But to get away from, from sort of playing pundit here for a minute and just zero in on, on what the effect will be on ordinary people. So when a government loses the plot like this, uh, they, they can do one of two things, right? They can, they can course correct uh, or uh, they will just double down and, and hope like hell that, uh, you know, through grievance politics and other things that they can can juice the turnout to be able to, you know, turn out the vote where they need to win uh, in order to maintain their majority. Uh, I, I think it's pretty obvious from what we've learned from Mr. Kenny's character uh, that he is going to do the latter, which is going to be, mean significant suffering for ordinary people. And so I don't like to play predictions because, you know, uh, he could course correct good. Uh, in which case, uh, uh, yes, we will be better off, not as not, not as well off as if we would have a, you know, government that isn't full of people who lie on the reg. Um, but uh, I, I doubt that will happen. But the amount of human suffering that I believe that we are going to see as a consequence of the budget coming uh, in February, or whenever they decide to bring it in, uh, is actually going to be quite staggering. And finally, I, I just want to close it off with the, the the angle on this story that just might drag it out for an extra few weeks. And that is, you know, what did Kenny know and when did he know it? Well, you know, when you leave the country as a, certainly as a minister, you have to uh, send a, a memo into the premier's office. And I believe it's through cabinet coordination office, although uh, I, I'm not certain about that. And, uh, but you, you, you send in, uh, I noticed that you are going to be out of service or leaving. Uh, when I would go to BC, because my uh, uh, where we go doesn't have very good service, um, there's uh, I would appoint an acting minister and have to send in a memo because I, if I didn't have uh, cell service, then I, I couldn't act as a minister. Even when you leave the, the province, oftentimes you would appoint an acting. That was our policy anyway. Uh, and so that goes in now. Um, we didn't just do whatever we wanted. Uh, we had to send in our time off requests uh, back then when we were in government and now when we're in, in opposition into uh, uh, the, the, the sort of central coordinating body. So the ministers had one and the MLAs uh, had the caucus office. So it, it wasn't a question of us just, you know, taking off whenever we felt like it. Like these things were coordinated so that not everyone is gone uh, uh, at the same time. So we have the right, uh, uh, you know, spokespeople around on offsetting weeks and so on. Um, and uh, I cannot imagine a scenario in which, uh, you know, the premier's office cannot immediately confirm which of its ministers are gone, uh, particularly, hi, during a global pandemic when you're not supposed to leave the country for holidaying reasons. Uh, uh, first of all, I mean, my leader would have never allowed that in a million trillion years, but there's no way that the premier's office wouldn't have been advised of where that person was going because uh, it's just too important. Your minister signature is oftentimes needed for all kinds of different things. Uh, but even MLAs, there is a process Process. Uh, at least there is for us through the whip. And uh, if the whip uh, on the UCP side uh, uh, 
didn't uh, did say don't leave the country and people did it anyway that right there uh, should be grounds for being kicked out of caucus. It certainly would be in uh, on my team. Uh, there is no way that uh, if the whip tells you to do something and then you go do something else, that that doesn't come with a consequence um, because the whip speaks for the leader. Now, as for Jason Kenney's chief of staff, I was reflecting on this the other day. Um, it, I don't think that there was one minute out of four straight years that I was a minister that I didn't know or I couldn't have told you with almost exact precision of where my chief of staff was at any given moment in four years. Even if the answer was sometimes, you know, oh, he's out of service and he's climbing a mountain in Banff, I knew when he went out of service and I knew when he came back in. I knew when his holidays were because we would coordinate them and, you know, do it all as a as an office. Uh, I knew if he ever went out of the country, which I think was only once. Um, but... Uh, I, you know, your chief of staff is your three-legged race uh, uh, partner for the duration of, of when you're a minister or a premier. There is no way on God's green earth that uh, Jason Kenney didn't know that he was his chief was out of town. Uh, if he had no idea that his chief left the country, <laughs> get a new chief because uh, your chief should talk to you. Uh, you know, from the time you wake up to the time you you uh, uh, go to bed, you're three-legged racing with that human being. And if they don't talk to each other, then uh, probably time for a new relationship. And that was our interview with Shannon Phillips, the NDP MLA for Lethbridge West. Unfortunately, technical difficulties kind of cut off the end of that interview, and we weren't able to get a proper goodbye on tape. But thanks again to Shannon for coming on the show. Uh, before we get to uh, the final part of our pod uh, with producer Jim and I just going over this gong show of a scandal, uh, we have called a few choice comments from Jason Kenney's Facebook page. Uh, this is These are underneath his uh, recent announcement about the uh, the resignations, such as they are. And, uh, and before we get into my conversation with Jim, I think it's instructive to just kind of like see what's out there in the world. Uh, this one is from Lorene M. Foster. My husband did not attend his brother's funeral. We did not see our daughter and her family who live in Calgary over the holidays. We respected the guidelines and did not travel. If the members of Jason, of Jason Kenney's government are not smart enough to follow guidelines, they are certainly not smart enough to be making decisions on Albertans' behalf. They should all be fired. Our daughter, who is a nurse, had her booked holidays canceled and had to work through the holidays. I guess we know who keeps this province moving forward. Again, that's from Lorraine Foster on Jason Kenney's Facebook page. And uh, this one is a, is a nice choice one uh, from Curtis Browsen. He's quoting Jason Kenney here, quote, Albertans want their MLAs to be accountable to them. A UCB government would introduce a recall act, allowing voters to fire their MLAs in between elections if they've lost the public's trust. That's Jason Kenney from February 14th, 2019. Curtis Browsen's comment, whenever you're ready. And finally, from Debbie Krakowski, I couldn't travel to BC last month to bury my 17-year-old grandson, but they could travel out of the country. You weren't clear with them on the restrictions. I've been aware of them from the start. Were there different restrictions for politicians, or were we all under the same restrictions? This sounds like a lot of double talk and sweeping under the rug to me. For the record, I voted for you. Now you're making me rethink my decision. That's Debbie Krakowski on... Jason Kenny's Facebook wall. And Jim uh, has now stepped up to the mic and has joined me after a long hiatus away from the mic. Jim, welcome back. Hey, thanks, Duncan. You know, I, uh, I understand uh, a lot of the outrage that I'm 
seeing there, hearing there. Uh, I mean, I'm feeling kind of the same way myself. My father passed this year, uh, his service was out in British Columbia, and I didn't travel uh, because of COVID. I, uh, frequent listeners probably know that I was in and out of the hospital already this year and uh, did not relish the thought of going back because of Corona. And so I sat that one out. Uh, it's not like um, that event is uh, going to happen again next year. I can just go again. Uh, it's kind of infuriating that uh, you have people like Tracy Allard keeping up her 17-year Hawaii Christmas streak while the rest of us are, are stuck at home. But, you know, I, I am personally not a very big hypocrisy politics kind of guy. I don't really give a shit about the $15 glasses of orange juice type scandals. Uh, especially when we're talking about conservative voters who, for the most part, assume that politicians are all corrupt, uh, which is why they're all such big small government fans, because they think that government is, is shit in the first place. Uh, and so, you, you know, you don't really get very far by telling them, oh, Jason Kenney's a crook. Well, they already kind of assumed that Jason Kenney was a crook. He was just, he was a crook on their side, right? What I care about are actual material impacts on people. And in those terms, I think this is a lot worse than the Sky Palace. It's a lot worse than Lukashik's phone bill. It's a lot worse than people taking up extra seats on a flight to South Africa. Because at the end of the day, those were like minuscule drops in the provincial budget that had basically no impact on anyone. They, they Maybe they spoke to some people's character, but they didn't hurt anyone. This stuff, though, I mean, we were just reading last week uh, I'll make sure to throw this up in the show notes for the pod. Uh, University College of London did a study on people in the UK who were breaking the COVID guidelines out there. And they found that people were following the rules at first. It's when they started seeing authority figures breaking the rules and taking advantage of loopholes, that kind of thing, when they stopped breaking the, or when they stopped following the rules. And I... I mean, it's, we're already having a hell of a time in Alberta getting these anti-mask assholes to, to do the bare minimum. And now, I mean, it's going to be even more people breaking the rules, even more people spreading COVID. COVID's going to be here longer in the province. Well, I, I mean, that's here, serious stuff. Here's a, here's a comment from Jason Kenney's Facebook page again. Um, the hypocrisy of this is all so infuriating. I think it's time to just open it all up, Mr. Kenny. If government officials have no fear or feel no worry of COVID-19, then why should I? Because you and Dr. Hinshaw say so, you have lost the trust of Albertans and it's now time to live our lives freely. I want to see my family and friends, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, all in, in all caps. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the, the far right dipshits, they are, they're going around calling these, these COVID measures, which were very far from an actual lockdown in the first place, calling them tyranny, tyranny. Well, what's more tyrannical than having one set of rules for the powerful and another set of rules for the peons? Like they're, I had to say it, but they, you know, they're, they're wrong about the big picture, but, the, but some of these details, they are getting right. Oh, I mean, a classic conservative politics where they're where they're they, they get the first part right, but the, the second part is wrong. The the part about breaking the rules and and the example that that sets, though, and and the study that you reference, that 
is the concerning part. Because one, I think we're set for a huge spike in cases over the next five days, 10 days anyways, just from Christmas and New Year's and from people not following the rules. But now, like, again, what's what's the, <laughs> like the study doesn't lie. Like when when that fucking asshole British MP staff or whatever he was, Cummings broke the rules in the UK, there was significant rule breaking, significant backsliding on following the public health guidelines around COVID-19 after that. And we're just going to see that again here. Like it's 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 I don't see how we couldn't see it any other way. The only thing that is possibly saving our ass here is is vaccination. But our vaccination rollout is what we're going to work at me and you and I are going to get vaccinated in like November or something. November, 2022, November, 2023, the vaccination rollout is fucking scuffed. I mean, the minister who was in charge of it was Allard. Yeah. She took three weeks off to go to Hawaii in the middle of it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, yes, it was her deputy minister responsible for it, but, but who gives a shit? Um, I, I, what's the, what's another big issue on this one that you wanted to raise? I know, the the issue of caucus revolt and like we talked about this with Shannon, but I still think it's an issue worth parsing because I, and I think we disagree on this and this makes for better podcasting, better radio is that I don't see it. I, I just, I just don't see, I just don't think there's any there there. And, um, but you disagree. So, so give me your take on, on the kind of caucus revolt line on this. Okay. Well, in the, the current trajectory, no, there's, I don't think there's any risk of a caucus revolt. Uh, you know, you, you compare this to the Sky Palace, uh, and and it's the inverse of the Sky Palace, right? Because it's it was the premier who fucked up, uh, maybe less so than uh, than ultimately was the story. I mean, there were, there were people who had like vested interests in running her out so that they could take over, and they, they kind of torqued this thing for outrage. But at the end of the day, it was it was the premier who fucked up, and then it was uh, the people underneath her who held her to account, I'm doing scare quotes here, by knifing her in the back and throwing her out. And they, th- but they, they did, they threatened to resign, you know, I mean, they had, they had levers they were, they, they were willing to pull, which I don't think we have in this case. Yeah, but like what, what's going to happen in this case? Is Pat Rain going to threaten to resign if Jason <laughs> Kenney kicks him out of caucus? Like resign from what? Uh, Pat Rain barely has a fucking job. He makes $120,000 a year to go sit and do nothing, but he, he barely has any responsibilities, right? Just to interrupt you on Pat Rain. You you messaged me about this, uh, and I was like, "Who the fuck is Pat Rain?" And you had to tell me. And I, I mean, I follow Alberta politics for a living. I had no idea who Pat Rain was. Now I know. Apparently, he lives in Texas for the most part. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to shit on the guy too hard. He's a he's a good Red Deer boy like me. Is is my understanding? Uh, has a house in Red Deer, but he his constituency is Lesser Slave Lake. Well, I mean. Point me to one conservative politician who lives where their seat is. You, you know, you got two or three MPs from Edmonton who who live in Ottawa. Uh, Tanny Yao is more commonly seen in Edmonton Strathcona than Fort Mac, et cetera, et cetera. Speaking of Tanny Yao, has anyone found him yet? We're recording five seventeen on uh, January fourth, and still no word on. On Tanny Yao's location. If Aside you know from, where Tanny Yao is, please call Jason Kenny immediately. He is very worried about his boy. All they know is Mexico, <laughs> which is which is hilarious. We know the country that he's in. That's it. Okay, but let me get back to these these committee members yeah. for a second because let's uh, let's be real about what really happened with these backbench MLAs and the punishment of removing them from committees. I think you and you and Shannon touched on this briefly, but 
there was like a very small attempt at a scandal uh, years ago when Rachel Notley was sitting on a couple of committees and one of them, it didn't have any meetings uh, and Notley didn't like take, she didn't draw her pay from that committee. Other politicians did, but somehow Notley was the one that the conservatives screeched about over it. And so the, uh, the UCP, one of their commitments was to take away pay for. I think maybe even the NDP got rid of pay for committees. Like pay for yeah. committees is long gone. Yes. Whenever it went away, it's you don't, gone. Now. You don't get paid for that. It's, it's just considered kind of like part of your regular job duties. You don't get a bonus for it now. And it's, it's like barely real work. Like if we had more of like a functional legislature with like discourse and debate going on between parties, then maybe things would be getting worked out in committees. But generally what goes on in the committees is the, uh, the UCP guys sit down and they say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And then the NDP guys on the committee, they'll spend about half an hour being like, this is a really bad idea. I have these amendments that I would like to propose that would fix, uh, that would fix this up to close these holes or fix these problems and what you're proposing. And then the UCP guys at the end of the meeting are like, fuck you, no, meeting adjourned. And that's that's all that happens in any of these committees. Yeah, committees have even less power in Alberta than they have in Ottawa. And they definitely don't have the power that they have like in the in the American government yeah, system. You're, it is not prestigious to sit on these committees. It's not great for your career. It doesn't give you influence. And you don't get any extra money for it. So it's, it's a chore. It's like busy work. So these backbench MLAs have been relieved of having to do the dishes but they still get paid just as much every year. So it's like Kenya has given them an extra like four hours of vacation every week. They can sit around and play Candy Crush or I don't, I don't know what a conservatives do. Whatever they do. I mean, they have to show up to work and stand when they have to stand and say I when they have to say I. And that they have to do a bit of constituent work, which whatever, some, some like doing that, some don't. Uh, Pat Rain, your mileage may vary. And uh, yeah, you're entirely correct. So uh, he has punish them, scare quotes behind the mic here, uh, by, by taking away a chore. And that's it. The, Kenny can't fire these guys as MLAs, right? He could, he could throw them out of his caucus, but he can't make them stop being MLAs. He could like call them up and demand they resign, and maybe one or two of them are spineless enough that they would actually do it. But I suspect that most of these guys, if he called them up and was like, I want you to step down and have a by-election in, uh, in, in your area, they'd be like, nah, I'm going to keep this $120,000 a year paycheck and sit as an independent. And if you want to replace me, you can try in the next election. That's the, that would be the actual punishment that he could do. He could kick them out of, he could kick them out of caucus. It would be bad for their careers. They would probably not get reelected the next time. And that's about as much as he could do. He's not doing that. And I think the two reasons that he's not doing that is first of all, if he starts throwing like Tanya Fur. Uh, Jason Steffen out of caucus, then people are going to start asking, why is Tracy Allard still in caucus? Why is Jeremy Nixon still in caucus? And he really doesn't want to throw those ones out. I mean, Allard's got influence. The Nixons have a lot of influence. He doesn't want to throw those out. But he also doesn't want to kick six or seven MLAs out and have them sent off to the corner to hang out with only each other and talk about how mad they are at Jason Kenney and scheme amongst themselves. And that was, that's the only thing that could possibly uh, be the the seed of a caucus revolt. I don't think that it's like 100% it would cause it, but it would take it from like 0% to 5%. Okay. All right. Well, you've made the case for a caucus revolt. Uh, I think, you know, there's a lot to say here. 
and it is hard to kind of distill your your rage and your anger into something that is coherent. I don't even think I have sworn once on this podcast. Uh, you know, you go back and listen to the tape. But like, I am angry, and and it is and it is hard. And I'm, I've been angry at this government for a long time, and it's hard to be angry all the time. You know what I mean? And being professionally angry on time all the line takes a toll on you. Um, it gives me no pleasure to be right all the time about how venal and awful and bad for regular people that yeah, this government it, it is. It kind of actually sucks yeah. to be right all the time. And and so uh, not to say that I'm tired. I like that the job that I have, I like that I'm able to talk to someone like Shannon Phillips or that I'm able to talk with you, Jim, here, and, and people want to listen to this. But I think it's also important to realize that like Jason Kenny has told us to all eat shit here <laughs> and that like as given our system of government and the way we have structured it he is essentially our king for the next two and a half years yeah I mean there's only there's really only two routes to doing anything about Jason Kenny being premier uh, one of them is like it's it's safe but not very exciting and will take a while which is that people could line up behind the new Democrats and try and win the next election. And I have, I have a lot of issues with the NDP, but I would still recommend that people vote for them. And I mean, be, be reasonable about how much of your hopes and energy you're going to put behind a political party. Like they are a tool that you should use to get what you want. And they are not a team that you should give your total and utter devotion to. But that means waiting until 2023, which is a pretty fucking long time. Yeah, in the immediate term, the immediate you're, you're term, far more. There are some. There are some things you can do that will dramatically affect you know your lives and the lives of your people of the people around you. And that is, you know, getting involved in your workplace and talking to your coworkers and getting involved in your union. And you know, when a wildcat strike happens in places like Claresholm and Barhead and uh, you know Elk Point. That is the shit that scares the UCP much more so than like uh, a, a great zinger in question period from the NDP. And and wherever you are listening to this, um, you know, it, it is incumbent upon you to talk to your family and your friends and your coworkers about, you know, the material conditions, how your material conditions can improve. And that is by standing up and asking for them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I I mean, there is a lot of... I would say overly optimistic talk about, um, you know, s snapping the fingers and suddenly having a general strike appear. And I don't think that uh, betting everything on on that is a is a great idea. But there's more to effective labor power than general strikes, right? There's there's just actual regular strikes. And like you were saying uh, to Shannon during the interview. Because of all of these uh, these fuck-ups and all this bumbling around over the past year and a half, not just the COVID screw-ups, but like the war room screw-ups, the inquiry screw-ups, uh, just like falling over, tripping and falling over themselves in the legislature and not getting bills passed, a lot of the really heavy negative stuff in the UCP agenda is still to come. People have not... like. The majority of the layoffs have not hit yet. Yeah, some people have been laid off, but like three quarters of the promised layoffs haven't happened. I'm pulling that number out of my ass, but like a huge, a huge chunk are still to come. And what that means is that the majority of the strikes and the, the majority of the labor unrest has not happened yet. The battles are going to get bigger and bigger over the next couple of years, uh, especially if, 
if Kenny continues to go really hard with this austerity agenda and continues trying to dismantle the social welfare net here in the province. So in the immediate term, I think that people should get involved with their labor union. They should get involved with local non-electoral leftist organizations in their community that they think are important. You know, you got um, you got a, a lot of like anti-racist groups in the bigger cities. You have things like the the groups pushing for the Green Line in Calgary. You've got the groups uh, trying to support safe consumption sites down in Lethbridge. These are all effective groups that are fighting against the UCP agenda. I think probably you should get on the NDP mailing list. I don't know. Maybe you want to send them five bucks. Maybe you don't want to send them five bucks. But you're probably going to want to, to vote for them in the next election, the way things are looking. But I wouldn't put all your hopes and dreams behind them either. Yeah. And with that, folks, I think Jim and I could talk about this for another half hour or an hour, but I think we got to end it here. Uh, just want to end it by thanking uh, everyone who stepped up and became a donor over the past month. We doubled the amount of regular monthly donors we have to the Progress Report. And if you are hearing this now and you still have not jumped on the train, it is very easy to do so. Go to uh, theprogressreport.ca slash patrons. Put in your credit card number, your details, 5, 10, 15, whatever you can donate a month. That is very helpful to us. And, uh, you know, we're going to have more details about our plans for continuing to exist that are going to come out. We have a timeline. Uh, there are some, some goals we definitely have to hit over the next six months in order for us to continue. But I'm not going to burden you with this at the end of the podcast. But if you like what we do, if you like this podcast, please, please support us. And um, I think that's it. If you have any notes, thoughts, comments, things you think I need to hear, I'm very easy to reach on Twitter. I'm at Duncan Kinney. And you can reach me by email at duncank at progressalberta.ca. Jim, how can people find you on Twitter? Don't. He's the catch-up man on Twitter. And uh, he's at Jim Story. He's a great Twitter follow. Don't listen to him. Uh, thanks so much to Cosmic Famu Communist for the amazing theme uh, that, we, that we played at the beginning. Thank you for listening. And goodbye. Bye-bye.